Greetings and welcome to the For the Ride podcast. I'm your host, Adam Vanderveen. And as always, all the views and opinions expressed on the podcast are solely those of myself and the guest and not representative of Triumph Motorcycles Limited or Triumph Motorcycles America. So before we talk about today's guest, I just want to give everybody a heads up that we're nearing the end of season one of the For the Ride podcast. We're going to take a couple weeks off for the Thanksgiving holiday. Then we'll come back with a couple really solid episodes in December to wrap up season one. So after this one, talk to you in a couple weeks. Now, today's guest, Jadar from Jadar Customs. He is truly an expert level painter, specifically motorcycles. Just a little warning, we get very, very technical in this podcast, but if you are highly interested in the ins and outs of custom paint, this one will be a treat to you. Here he is, Jadar. I got the key to the highway. I'm all packed and down the Lord, let me ride out tomorrow, honey. Uh, Dar, welcome to uh, Triumph America offices. Glad Thank you, you could, sir. Glad you could make it in today. Yes, sir. Appreciate the invite. How was it? You said it just hit a spot of traffic on the way down? Uh, it's Atlanta. So I live <laughs> north, obviously. I live north of the city. So, uh, you know, it added a good 30 minutes. That was uh, out of everything that I had to get adjusted to. Traffic is one of the bigger adjustments. Absolutely. Moving down here. And and I very strategically moved to the south side of town because uh, our office here is is really it's adjacent to the airport, which is south of right. downtown. Mm-hmm. Um, so I made sure to move south of then here because I didn't want to fight that cross town traffic. Right, of course. Yeah, you couldn't be any closer to the airport. Pretty much. Y- yes. Yeah, I, I tell everybody we're as close to the airport as possible without actually being on like on the runway. Right, right, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I was born in Atlanta, so so I get it. My whole life, I feel like all I've done is move north. Born in Atlanta, then moved to Stone Mountain, then snellville then duluth and now i'm up in in jackson county so we're up in the country now all right so so you've really just expanded with the city absolutely just keep on moving a little further and a little further less uh, traffic and less traffic well and then you're up uh you're pretty close to the good riding then absolutely there's lots of riding going up there plus we're between you know we're right near road atlanta obviously there's a lot going on there and uh you know commerce drag strips just two exits up from us so there's always something going on up there yeah, no, perfect. I, I made it up to Helena, oh, geez, uh, maybe a couple months ago uh, mm-hmm. now, but I mean, it is really gorgeous stuff up that Absolutely. way. But uh, Road Atlanta is pretty sweet, too. We went out there when um, uh, the, the races came to town. Uh, mm-hmm. Motor America came in, and uh, that was actually probably the first, you know, big public event that I'd uh, attended. And they, right. I mean, they, they did it nice, but uh, had a, a pretty decent turnout for you know all things considered right that's actually when we met i believe yeah that that was the first time we met in person i was on my way up there and then um pulled over uh, I, I think in an exit prior to that to, mm-hmm. to just meet up and and take a, a quick peek at the the project you were working on for us so i mean, uh for sure that that was one of the big things i wanted to talk about today so nice. um uh, we'll get to that in 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 just a second, but sure. um, but so really, uh, Jadar Customs, um, you ultra specialize in high end motorcycle paint jobs. Yes, sir. Um, so right now, what I'm doing is uh, a lot of high end bikes, a lot of radically custom, but also every day I'm doing just regular repairs and color matches. Um, actually, yesterday I shot a fender saddlebag and lid that had fallen off a bike. So I do a lot of just daily, um, you know, daily rider kind of bikes. Thankfully, a lot of the dealerships around town call me um, and, you know, I'll go pick the parts up, do the repairs, paint them to match and then deliver them. Okay, perfect. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, but are you um, essentially the paint guy <laughs> in the metro Atlanta? Uh, I don't want to say that. I like to consider myself that. That's what I'm striving for. Um, well, you know, I do have a certain clientele. I don't necessarily do the low-end budget kind of stuff. Um, you know, I'm, this is my 30th year of painting. So, you know, I try to stick with, you know, higher-end products, higher-end turnaround. You know, I like to give people a, you know, a good product. Um, and I have pretty quick turnaround. So I think that's kind of what I'm known for is is high-end work with, with a pretty good turnaround. Okay. Uh, well, and so you were recommended to me by Jesse, who was mm-hmm. our guest last week. Yeah. Uh, we approached Jesse with a cool uh, custom build project for uh, a musician, Wesley Schultz of the Lumineers, mm-hmm. and and he had to take a television show 
So he's going to work on this entire custom build uh, project and and kind of handed it off. And and you were the name that uh, he mentioned as Great. you know the, the go to guy to to work with. And and it turned out that we didn't do a lot of custom fab stuff anyways. It right. it truly was uh, a lot of genuine Triumph accessories mm-hmm. and then all custom paint work. Uh, so that was a, a really fun project to, to work on, and, and we might as well just dive right into that. So yeah. that was uh, that was my first uh, custom motorcycle project that I had ever worked on, and oh, nice. um, really a lot of fun. And kind of inspired me that you know, hey, maybe I should be looking at my own scrambler and <laughs> coming up with, with how I want to modify that thing. If I, you know, what I'm, I'm so torn though because I love that blue tank. I know. Um, I have repainted several of the blue tanks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that one's tough. I mean, I, I I really gravitated to that bike as is, um, but I'm starting to see a few of them out there too. So, uh, right. M- maybe I need to, you know, make mine look a little distinct from the other ones in town. My recommendation is bring it to me. <laughs> 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 we'll trig it out. All right, perfect. Well, it's up. Uh, it's up in Carpentersville right now. It's a. a we have a, a guy up there that manages a lot of our uh, press bikes and um, quite a few odds and ends for us, but I'm getting Mm -hmm. the uh, TFT, um, My Triumph Connectivity Bluetooth module installed on it. Oh, nice. Very Uh, cool. Yeah, the the thing with Wes's bike, like you said, you used a lot of the factory uh, accessories, which is really cool and set the bike apart, but we knew that that meant we had to add even more to the paint, you know, as far as the the bling factor or whatever you want to call it. Um, You know, and, and I really appreciated the fact that you know, that, that you had input into the design and also that, uh, that you put me in contact with Wes so that he could get exactly what he wanted. Uh, sometimes when you have a middleman, it keeps the customer from, uh, you know, getting their dream bike, I guess. And also with speaking directly to the designer, um, you know, I can throw so many different ideas out that maybe you or, or another middleman may not be able to offer them. So, uh, it was nice, you know, to, to tell him some of the things we could do. He looked at some of the prior pictures of bikes I had done, and he just kind of picked and chose, you know, I like this design or I like this kind of texture. Um, you know, you had a couple of great ideas also that we incorporated. So it was, to me, it was really cool. And I think it it made him enjoy the project a lot more, especially when it was completed. Well, that's, yeah, 100%. Um, I'll do a, a kind of off tangent on something a comparable experience, but mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a few months ago we had the distinguished gentleman's ride and leading up to that, I had had a a custom suit made for the first time in my life. (laughs) And I just really enjoyed the process. Uh, Of course I liked the end result, sure, but just the process was cool. You know, you go in, you get fitted, um, and the fitting is just a small portion of it, but you know, the, the suit maker just lays out every possible fabric you could think of and, and, and you're truly designing it from scratch, but mm-hmm. with a little bit of help from an expert. Sure. Uh, and and the process was just enjoyable, and and you know I, I really felt like it, it was truly mine, a true original. And then uh, you know if I compare that to to doing a, a custom bike, and I mean this project, uh, I, I think for all parties involved, the process was really enjoyable. Right. I agree. I think uh, I think it definitely paid off in the end. Um, it gave me a project, you know, a product that I could show online and feel really proud about. Um, I didn't feel like my hands were tied. Um, the original, you know, renderings you had shown me were a little different, obviously. Um, but I think, you know, once Wes found out, wow, we can add all of this, you know, and it, and make it completely custom and personalized, it just took it to another level. And, um, that's what I enjoy doing. I also, the process is definitely, uh, enjoyable for me, you know. Um, I like being in the booth. The actual spraying is the best. That's the peak for me. Unfortunately, out of probably seven days of prep, I get one day of spraying. So I have, you know, lots of stuff I have to do in between that's not as enjoyable. Um, But definitely discussing the ideas and kind of helping people figure out how to translate their ideas into a real product is, is really exciting. And a lot of times it's, you know, it's raining them back. It's kind of like a tattoo. They'll want 5,000 different things in one paint job so they can get everything at once. Um, sometimes you have to pull back and say, well, that's not going to work. Um, you know, yeah. and that's, that's why, thankfully, you know, I always find it amazing that people trust me to, first of all, work on their expensive products. Um, 
Some people have never seen my work. A lot of people have been recommended. Um, but for the most part, most of my clientele either know somebody I've painted for, they've seen me at shows, and they understand the quality that I'm trying to put out. Um, so it's it's always nice to, you know, give people a high-end product and uh, the fact that they trust me. And for the most part, you know, clients say I exceeded their expectations, and that's that's really what I'm striving for. Well, that's great. And um, so diving into this bike just a little bit more, and, sure. and of course, we're going to uh, publish photos of this bike, but in case anybody hasn't seen the photos, I'll, I'll describe it a little bit. So we took a Scrambler 1200XE, and one of the things that we originally you know, put out there is, is we uh, the, actually, so the, the owner, Wesley, gravitated towards the, the gold color in the forks. And his previous bikes were black, so um, we knew we kind of wanted to go with a, a, a bit of a blacked out mm-hmm. theme across the board. But um, but those gold Olin's uh, front suspensions, we wanted to carry that through, and and we uh, ultimately got to a point where you know most of the bike was blacked out, and then mm-hmm. that that gold color was just woven through in you know in, in a few subtle places so that it wasn't mm-hmm. too dominant, but it just very subtly uh, nice, and then on the tank itself, went with the oversized Triumph badge. A uh, little bit of that inspiration came uh, from the upcoming James Bond film, No Time to Die. Nice. Uh, if you've seen his bike or or, or even um, uh, a scrambler that Ernie Vigil raced in the Mexican 1000, both of those bikes had that oversized Triumph badge. So mm-hmm. uh, the, even that then was kind of that, that gold uh, coloring, which is right. unique. I haven't seen that badge in that color. And nice. then, uh, and then we worked on some, some truly personal details, which was, um, you know, album, uh, artwork from three previous albums. So that, uh, I think it, it was just a really nice blend of, you know, a personal taste, blacked out style, carrying through a, a really unique, attribute of that bike with, with those Olin shocks and then adding like very ultra personal touches. Right. Uh, hence the album artwork. So correct. Yeah. And the triumph, one of my favorite parts was the triumph having that, you know, the tilt to it looked really cool, gave it more of an aggressive feel. Um, and then, like you said, we spoke to Wes and he said, you know, is there any way to incorporate album art into this paint job? And I wasn't real familiar with the band at the time. Obviously I had never seen their stuff, but I'd heard their music. You know, I didn't realize that's who it was. And, um, so, you know, I did a little research. He sent over a few ideas and they were all just kind of hand sketched line art of, you know, the skull and the Cleopatra, uh, the number three for the new album, which was, that was fairly easy. But even in that, uh, I believe it was your idea to put the three on the front fender. So we, we laid it out on the front fender and then did a really neat texture in the gold. So essentially it was gold base coat, but it was a really brilliant gold. So it's, like you said, we were trying to give it more of that anodized kind of feel. Um, and then, um, you know, did the the side panels on the Triumph have those really neat knee inserts is what I call them. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what the technical term is. And uh, I always like to accent that panel. Um, so we did a really nice gold stripe around the outside of the panel and then did a really neat texture. So I did some research on his album covers, and I believe the Cleopatra has the, the image of the girl. And um, it has this really neat texture in the background looks kind of like a, uh, just some kind of fabric, um, like a burlap sack kind of feel. So I kind of incorporated that texture into both knee panels. And then one side had the, uh, the Cleopatra headdress that he wanted to use. Um, and we we're trying to figure out since it's taller than it is wide. Um, you know, I, I was trying to come up with some art and I said, Hey man, what do you think about adding like hieroglyphics to this? You know, maybe I can make it spell out Cleopatra in hieroglyphics and, he loved that idea. So that was neat, and it, it really gave me a good filler for that that panel. And then the other side, we did the uh, the skull and rose. And I believe his friend drew all of these items, so that kind of meant a little more to him also. Um, so we got to incorporate everything he wanted. It wasn't overdone. It didn't feel, you know, pushed or, you know, there, it wasn't shoved together. It really fit and, and had a good flow to it, I thought. Yeah, I, I agree completely. And then... Um, that texture, I think that was the real element that you, you individually brought to the table that neither one of us would have ever thought of, right? Uh, Cause right. that's just the, the, the 30 years of painting that, mm-hmm. uh, 
I, I don't think either one of us would even realize that that's a possibility. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, because we're kind of just thinking actual uh, designs and sure. symbolism Graphics. and things like that. But mm -hmm. but then you bring that paint experience and say, hey, would uh, you know actually we. There's all these things that we can do, and sure. and this is one of them. So um, the, I recall meeting up with you on the way to uh, Road Atlanta. I think you had actually uh, had some of the cheesecloth that you'd used to to, to right. help create some Correct. of that textured look, and it was just you know it, it opened my eyes to right. what it actually takes to you know <laughs> for you to do your work, but then um, but that just that extra element really brought everything to, to life in a, in a super dynamic way. Sure. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. We try to, you know, I, I like to think that I'm known, you know, for slick paint jobs. And also I like to do lots of textures and drop shadows. I like, I like people to walk up to a paint job and want to, I don't want them to touch it, but I want them to feel like they need to touch it. You're like, what is that? How did you get that? You know, and everybody thinks it has a feel to it, but it's really not, you know, it's slick, uh, but they want to touch it. Um, you know, and Wes was also cool with, I said, hey, what do you think about if we're doing all this gold? What do you think about if I just put a very light gold pearl on top of the black? So you only see it when the light hits it just right. It gets this really neat sparkle on the edges. And he loved that. So that was cool that, you know, you would never see that in a digital rendering mm -hmm. on a computer, paper, anything. You wouldn't see that. It, it's just something that has to be done, you know, in, in person. But yeah, in person, in the sunlight, yeah. it's there and it's so subtle. Right. And, and, but that, that's just so impressive to me that you can make it that subtle, uh, but it's still there. Right. Yeah. It gives, it gives, you know, the, it gives the customer something more to show their friends. Uh -huh. Hey, did you notice that? Or when people walk around and they're like, oh my, what just happened? I didn't even notice it had any flake. So I love doing that kind of stuff, hiding things in there. No, it's it's really impressive, and and yeah, you mentioned that a lot of people want to touch it. For me, mm -hmm. I just want to stare into it. It's it's very <laughs> well, good, uh, good. it's mesmerizing almost because you just see more, and you start to wonder like what's all underneath that top layer, right? Because the top layer is really just a a sealant, right? Or uh, yeah, it's a clear coat, right? Okay. And and all the textures and stuff are done in the color coats, um, and you know I do a lot of I just did a tea bucket. And, uh, and it's really radical and it has all kinds of panels and texturing. It's got that West coast feel. And, um, you know, I've had several people, they're like, how did you get the lace? It, you know, a lot of people really think that there's a piece of lace in the finish, um, which is cool. You know, and it's, I'm not, I did not create any of this, you know, we're all just changing around things that have already been, you know, created, but, um, you know, we try to put our own spin on them and maybe change the technique just a little bit, but, um, you know, I love doing that. I like people to want to touch the paint job. You you definitely want to. And it, so I would say it, it doesn't appear like you have a, a very distinct style. Um, but I do see some of that, uh, what I would call the, the candy paint in mm -hmm. a lot of your artwork. Is that, you know, client preference or is that uh, a little bit more your, your style that you enjoy doing? It is both. Um, I definitely... That's one thing I pride myself on also is if you go to my website, jadarcustoms.com, and uh, there there's everything. I mean, I literally, I'll have a solid white Norton with just a black stripe, or you might see some crazy triumphs. You know, I brought this mug here to show you some of this paint job that I did for Hourglass Cycles last year. But um, there's, I like doing candies because in the candy, that's where you can hide a lot of different graphics and textures, and you can do what people call ghosting, you know, but just... I like textures. When you're doing a solid color, it's it's a little harder to to do textures in solid colors because it's it just doesn't work with the product. Um, but I do like the look. You know, you saw that baby blue triumph I just did with some white, really clean white racing stripes. I did the logo in a really neat, you know, font, um, the triumph font, and uh, you know, it's beautiful and classic looking. So I am very thankful that I have customers all over the spectrum. You know, some people they get kind of pigeonholed into having just a bagger shop or just a resto shop or whatever. Um, but thankfully, you know, I have people all around that are just sending me random motorcycles. I mean, I feel like I've worked on about every kind of bike there is, um, you know, from I do crotch rockets, you know, people lay them down or they want to do full custom crazy paint jobs on them, full fairing bikes. Yeah. Well, and it seems like 
a lot of your work is is really one of the two extremes. I, I don't know <laughs> if right. I've, I've seen a lot in the middle, but I've seen you're right. you know really ultra clean, right. and I've seen incredible detailed with right. the candy and and um, mm-hmm. and everything. Then even hidden in there, you you mentioned that that was one of the things you like about the doing that candy style, and I mm-hmm. think it's really cool where you really can work in a lot of imagery, symbolism, whatever it may be. And it's not super overt. It, you Correct. can really hide it in there mm-hmm. within an overall scheme of a bike. Right. It's not like black on white or white on black. It's, you know, it doesn't have the sticker look, you know, if I paint a bike black and somebody, and they do a lot, some people are like, well, just, uh, you know, I just want a skull on top of a black bike or something. And it's, you know, you have to come up with ways to make it classy and flow and you know, not hidden, but you, you don't want it to just look like a big sticker. Um, some jobs do, you know, I had a guy just bring me some side covers and he wanted a, a really neat tattoo looking rose and he wanted it to say Rosa because of his mom. Um, you know, there's no way around that. That's going to look like a sticker, you know, but he, that's what he wanted. He was really happy with it. So the bottom line is as long as the customer feels like they got more than they paid for and it's exactly their idea, or like I said, Thankfully, for the most part, people say, you know, I've exceeded their expectations, which is really good. That's always, that's always the best. Do you have a lot of customers that it might be their first time getting some custom paint done? Absolutely. How how does that conversation go? Because I could imagine, you know, that being actually a little bit intimidating to to say, hey, I've I've never done this before. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really it's like walking into a tattoo shop for the first time. It, Correct. If you've had a few, you know the deal. But if mm-hmm. if it's your first time. Uh, there's a little intimidation there, and I, I'd say for sure on the the custom bike aspect of it, especially right. considering that I mean, there's a substantial amount of money that they're about to invest in. Sure. In this, um, so you know, what do you do to to make a, a first time rider that's going to get custom paint done on their bike to just feel a little more comfortable and into the process? First, I start off saying slow down because <laughs> they call. <laughs> you know, they have a million ideas or or they want to throw out all the things that they've heard or seen online or especially on the TV shows. Um, so I'm like, well, just hold on. Let me, let me just walk you through real quick the process of what I do from the ground up, just so you understand what materials are going on. Um, and then, you know, second, well, sometimes first question is budget. <laughs> sometimes budget, second question. It just, you kind of feel out, you know, what the bike is and, and all that kind of jive. But um, it, I definitely try to be, you know, a little more cautious. I try to answer the questions really nice and sweet and slow and, you know, explain to them what I'm doing. Um, sometimes I'll be on the phone for an hour just discussing very basic, you know, here's what we need to do next. Um, but it's, it's always the same, really, you know, just send me pictures of what you have, send me pictures of what you want. Obviously I don't copy, but it helps me to, uh, figure out what design they, you know, what kind of, uh, graphic area they're going towards you know same with a tattoo you know you want new school old school do you want traditional it's the same with paint you know i I meet the customer and then you can kind of tell my meeting people if they want flash or if they want more of a you know restored feel you know i ask them questions like why are you why are you doing this bike is it is it a restoration does it have sentimental value was it your dad's or you had a guy call yesterday that's got his dad's bike you know, and he's got a BMW. He's actually in DC and he's, he's wanting to go with kind of an original look, that crazy fade that they did in the seventies. And, um, you know, so I have to feel out, obviously I'm not going to try to talk him into a custom paint job. Um, I'm going to say, yeah, let's go the direction of factory. Um, but it is going to be high end and it technically would be custom, even though it looks original. Um, you know, so I just kind of feel it out. You know, I have some customers, I did a bike for a guy last year and it was pretty radical. It was a bagger and it had silver leaf and all kinds of funky textures I'd never tried before. And then when he got it back, the next thing he said is, I've got another bike, but it needs to be even crazier. You know, yeah, okay. I, never, I never would have thought it. Now that's that, that's that real crazy purple bike that's on my website. And, um, it just went down to Daytona for the Daytona destination bike week. And, um, the Harley dealership had a big show there and it got first in custom baggers, which is really exciting. Um, but you never know. I mean, you know, I just talk to the person and find out, you know, if they're going to, you know, if they're going to use the bike at shows, like he wanted, he wanted bikes that he could kind of ride, but really he wants to drive up and win shows, which is understandable. He's sunk a lot of money into these things. Sure. So, you know, I just kind of feel out. I have people call that, 
you know, hey, I, I want my bike to be blue. It's yellow and I don't like it. And I'll throw some numbers at them sometimes. And, you know, sometimes they're not as serious as they thought, you know, and, and it's fine. You know, there are people out there that will do lower end budget jobs, which is it's fine. But I like to use higher end materials, give them a better prep job and something that I feel confident it's going to be there for years. Yeah, that makes sense. And then uh, I, I think speaking of budget, I, I assume it's a massive difference if you're talking a tank versus an entire bike scheme. Correct. Yeah. I mean, it could go, you know, I don't know if you want me to mention numbers, but normally like on a, uh, you know, a Sportster or something, it's going to start at like $1,200 for three or four panels, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, that's average. I've kind of worked out, you know, what I need to do to to make a paycheck and to cover all my material cost, of course. Um, but then it can go up easily 10, 12, 15,000, you know, it's, there's, there is a huge gamut of, you know, but it depends on how many hours do you want me to spend you're getting. And this is what I tell people that say, well, I don't really need a show bike paint job. I said, I get it, but you're getting a show. I mean, I I can't do anything else. It's going to be slicked out and it's going to have great product. Well, yeah. And even if you're doing a a solid color, Correct. It, it's still going to be show quality right. just in that color scheme. Right. Right. Yeah. right. And so, you know, that, that always determines, you know, somebody's seriousness is whether they're going to actually bring it to me or not. But I understand some people, you know, they want a $400 paint job and I can't provide that you mm-hmm. know, because of the materials I use. Now, is there a risk, um, in your opinion, to mm-hmm. the overall integrity of the bike if if somebody really only wants to do a tank and then it kind of gets a little radically different from the entire scheme of the bike? Yeah, I've I've had people do that. They'll call about, you know, I just want to do some graphics on my Harley tank, and they have a full road glide or whatever, bagger. I always discourage it. I'm like, if we can incorporate a little bit in the front, a little bit in the back, and give it some balance— for me, it's it's mainly about the look. I'm not even worried about their budget necessarily. And and there's been times where I've done a really tricked out tank and I'll say, well, for just a little bit more, I'd really like to add something to some other panels so that the bike is something I can be proud of. Excuse me. There's a few jobs I've done where I won't even post pictures because I do exactly what the customer wants. And it's not something that I find appealing necessarily, um, you know, or, or it may not be a high end product, um, as far as the design goes. So I won't even post pictures of it. So it, you know, it's kind of all over the place really. Yeah. It makes sense. And, and, you know, people are, there's really a lot of the bike that you could be leaving out, especially, uh, with, with a lot of triumphs, I'll say specifically the frame is ultra exposed. So mm-hmm. if, if you look at the scramblers, um, certainly any of our street triples are, are nakeds. I mean, the, you could not even touch a tank or, or some of the bigger right. components and drastically change the look of a bike just by painting the frame. And it, sure. I mean, it, it takes it to a different level just doing that. Right. Yeah, you're right. I, I love doing that kind of stuff too, you know, but, um, frames, as you know, that goes into a whole nother. Well, the, yeah, you, you have to take engine. a lot apart. Yeah, absolutely. But, but I do a lot of that. I mean, several of my shops uh, that I do work for around town do full builds and they'll send me, you know, from the frame up every single piece of steel that can be painted, um, you know, I'll slick out all the welds and, and do it from the ground up, you know, and I enjoy doing that also. Right on. Now, is there any, is there anything you, you wouldn't touch or is there anything you, you shouldn't, that just shouldn't be painted? I will not paint anything with hair on it. (laughs) I will not paint animals. No, I mean, I've painted seriously. If it's a solid substrate, I've painted it. I mean, like I said, this is my 30th year. I did 27 years in body shop, um, you know, so, I mean, I, I'm from the collision industry, so I've painted everything, but, um, I mean, I've painted everything from cell phones to refrigerators to tractors. I mean, literally anything that sits still, you know, and that's another part of my business also, not to get off track, is is restorations, you know. So I do Coke box, res- Coke box restorations, and I've done Coke machines, full-size machines. I've done, you know, units that are in... Uh, Sorry, what was that first thing you said? A Coke bike? Box. I'm oh, sorry. Coke, Coke box. box. Okay, yes. got it. So just regular, you know, you'll see the Coke oh, and Pepsi yeah, boxes. Yeah, yeah. Of course. You know, anything that's that's already got a finish on it, you know, I can restore it and and bring it back to life, make it look brand new again. I've done furniture. I mean, that's a whole other thing. I do I do metal furniture also. But oh, man. That's well, no, I can tell. Um, okay, so I, I have to go back to uh, <laughs> yeah, our, for our first time meeting. Mm-hmm. Um my wife is driving and I'm like, Hey, just, just pull over here. We're going to go into this parking lot. 
She's like, well, do you know exactly where he is? How are we, how are we going to find him? I'm like, hon, I, I remember. That. I just have a feeling we're going to know. And, uh, and we got there first and we just, uh, we parked a little bit. And I mean, from the road, I, I saw you pulling in, like just looking at your, your truck. I'm like, Hey, he's here. It's gotta be him. So I essentially, I took my 07 Suburban and I did a full patina job on it. So I really like the look of the sixties Suburbans, those baby blue with a white, white roof on it. So essentially I did that to my truck. I, I patinaed it. I did a, a rub through all the way around the truck and made it look like it's a used work truck white roof, did my logos real large on the side, like they would do on a, you know, on an old hot rod or rat rods, you know, and <clears throat> excuse me, gave it that look. I love doing patinas too. You know, you'll see that on the website. There's plenty of matte finishes, lots of rub throughs, uh, lots of silver leaf, gold leaf candies. I mean, you know, I try to try to cover and that's what makes my job exciting. If I had to paint the same kind of bike every day, you know, that would, that would not be exciting. It would not be fun. So I, I love the fact that you know, I have customers that are that are all over the board looking for for create. I do signage, and I paint all kinds of stuff for people. Well, and I mean, just going through your site or your Instagram, that mm -hmm. that's one of the best ways to get inspiration. Correct. I found because you know, not being a painter, mm -hmm. uh, you almost don't know exactly where to start. So right, just scroll and scroll and scroll, and uh, <laughs> you get a lot of inspiration for for what you could do and what's right. even technically possible. Nice. And that that is what I tell customers also to get back to your, you know, first time customers. Um, that That is one of the first steps. I, I tell them, go to my website. Obviously, I can do more than what you see. What's on there is just what I've been commissioned to do. You know, the the options are definitely, you know, wider than than what you see. Um, I enjoy jobs that I've never tried before, you know, so doing different graphics or whatever. I enjoy all that. Um, but looking at the website is a, is a great way to, uh, you know, find out what colors you like together maybe and a couple of textures. And then obviously if somebody points out a bike, they say, oh my God, I just want it exactly like that. You know, I'll figure out a way to mix it up, give them the same feel, but obviously I'm not going to have duplicates running around town. Um, you know, and, and with first time customers, uh, you know, I also tell them when they come to me with a couple of ideas, I said, okay, let's lock this in and don't get back on Google. No more Googling. <laughs> We're done. No more getting on there. Because even with me, I have to stop myself because you will come across, I mean, every day you'll find stuff that you're like, nope, that's what I wanted. Never mind. That's what I wanted. That's what I wanted. And I tell them when it's done, don't Google any more custom bikes, you know, because there will be ideas that you wish you would have thrown in there. 100%. Yeah. Well, and uh, so it's cool that you paint a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm looking at you, you brought in your, um, you know, your, your, your thermos, <laughs> your tumbler here. That's mm -hmm. totally custom painted. Uh, I see it. I'm imagining that. Did you do your own reading glasses? I did. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Nobody, but nobody notices that, but yes, I did paint the arms on my glasses and they are, they're actually done in a gold leaf with uh, some candies on top. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, they they look just like the tumbler. They're right. they're very recognizably your glasses. I'd, right. I'd be shocked if you bought anything off the wall because you're right. I uh, don't. If you have the talents to do it, you might as well do it. You're right. And this this tumbler. Another thing that I try to do to kind of set apart is if I do a high end bike, um, I think it's kind of a cool idea to paint a tumbler to give the customer. So wherever they go, they have their motorcycle paint with them. Um, so this one was done uh, last year. Triumph did that biker build off. And um, I painted this bike for Hourglass Cycles, and it's got the scales and neat textures and, you know, did some pretty funky stuff with the pinstriping on there. And uh, that bike actually won the, the Triumph online biker build-off, so that was pretty exciting. And then I also did a really neat one for freewheeling, and that was a, a matte black with a really neat textured marbled flag on top. And it was all done in a matte clear. So it just, it had a complete different vibe. So when those two bikes parked next to each other at the big show downtown, it just really had a, had a neat feel. But, you know, everything you see on the site, even the Triumph here, all the logos, everything's painted. You know, it, a lot of people think that there's decals and stuff involved, but there's not. Everything that's on my website uh, or on any of my product is going to be painted. So then, uh, yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm looking at this right now. Of course, I can see and imagine how you do some of the things using like a, a spray technique, but then mm -hmm. that Triumph logo, is that uh, almost hand pinstripe? Now, I do use a low-tack. So you do make stencils a lot. Like if you watch mm. people do portraits and such, the only way to get perfect edges and clean edges is with some kind of masking, whether you hold it up or whether you're cutting it on a plotter. So... 
it's not necessarily cheating. It's making the product look better. So if you look at the website, all the Harley logos or all the Triumph logos that I've done, you know, they don't have that Panama City airbrush look, you know, with the kind of the little bit of a blowout edge. They're really clean edges, um, you know, but within that, you do airbrushing to give drop shadows, textures, highlights, whatever. Um, so that's that's kind of where the customization comes in. Uh, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you use a stencil? I'm like, man, everybody uses well, stencils. That's part of the process. It's not it's not cheating. It's part of the process. Yeah, there, there's no shame in there. It's just, it's a very distinct technique. If sure. You, if you, you, could, uh, you could do a hand-drawn mm-hmm. technique and it would appear that way, right. or you can do... A stencil one is going to be very crisp. Correct. And, and there's people, and there's there's a different industry of pinstripers. And they'll go in and they'll pinstripe the stuff with a brush. And normally that's that's kind of a, a whole different trade. You know, a lot of people will call and say, hey, are you a pinstriper? I'm like, no, I'm a custom painter. I pinstripe in my work, but I'm not coming to you and pinstriping on top of your factory paint job. I just, that's not my industry. Um, but I do incorporate pinstriping into my paint, if that makes any sense. So, you know, the same with this. I'm sure there's a pinstriper that could get it pretty close to that. Um, and even pinstripers sometimes will use a, a straight edge or some kind of, you know, cheat tool to help them get a perfect straight edge. Oh, yeah, of yeah, course. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. So that, uh, taking a look at this, um, and on your mug, uh, there's a lot of cool, uh, I'd say it appears to be um, like a scale effect. Correct. Uh, but then there's a, a really crisp Triumph logo on top of it. But mm-hmm. that Triumph logo reminds me of, uh, let's say a, a fail that we had a few weeks ago. Um, <laughs> I, I have to tell this story. So, um, uh, a coworker and I, uh, flew out to, uh, California and, uh, Roland Sands design was hosting a, a, a private event there. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they usually do a massive event every year called the Moto beach classic. Obviously this year they, they can't, uh, host large scale events, but they still wanted to do something. So they did a, uh, an invite only um, a private event just for, uh, motorcycle media, uh, you know, kind of uh, more, uh, celebrity, uh, tastemaker, uh, motorcycle riders mm-hmm. in the area. So it, it was a, a small manageable crowd, but it just worked out perfectly that we were globally unveiling the all new, uh, Triumph Trident 660, uh, on that day, on mm-hmm. the day of their event. So, cool. uh, very fortuitous, uh, because there's really not other events anywhere in the world that we could do kind of proper bike reveals and or or just even get a, a new bike in front of uh, r- real human beings sure. uh, and, until it actually comes out. So very happy that we were able to to be there and and it just landed perfectly on that day. So we uh, we had this idea of putting the bike in a uh, in a bike crate. Uh, before we unveiled it mm-hmm. and we just got this completely raw crate and we are going to mm-hmm. uh, paint it using a stencil and uh, the the stencil that was made for us it was a uh, it was a essentially a a sticker sure. um that that was meant to adhere to the crate mm-hmm. and then we you know pull out the the, the pieces so that you just have this right, sure. uh blank area where it was the triumph logo um I think in concept is a great idea, <laughs> but stickers do not adhere to plywood. Right, of course. A little too much texture <laughs> underneath. Um, I mean, so it it probably took us 15 minutes just trying to get it to adhere in the first place. Mm-hmm. And as soon as we started spraying, it I mean, it, it was just blowing yeah. everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it was the, <laughs> the ugliest thing you could imagine. Right. Um, so it, we had to fix it. Ultimately, our fix was masking the entire thing and then just blacking out the entire panel oh wow very fortunately we had a local artist that was uh coming to do helmet flash Mm -hmm. artwork on just uh on site as a fun thing for the participants and um you know she dedicated an hour instead of you know doing helmets she she just went and hand painted a really nice triumph logo over that blacked out surface she fixed your mistake she fixed our mistake i mean there was there was no other way of fixing it that so um that sounds like one of the days at my shop there's a lot of blowout and you know there's all kinds of stuff i i feel like that's how i became pretty decent at my trade is learning how to fix everything i'm screwing up you know especially in the body shop it's a lot of you know there's a lot of mistakes that happen unfortunately yeah. and you're you're constantly i mean i'm putting out fires every day that's what my job is is problem solving in the paint industry that's all i do 
Well, and I'll say it, it's not a good way to learn, but yeah. it's at least my way to learn. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I, I have to learn everything the hard way. And yeah. I, I certainly learned my lesson. So yeah, no I'm more, you know, uh, trying to put stencil decals on top of plywood. No, it doesn't work. It needs to be a nice, clean surface. Yeah. Nice, uh, flat. Uh, so again, I mean, yeah, in principle, it would have worked out great, but it didn't. So a uh, right. big fail there. We we ended up fixing it at a nice unveil. and Right. Uh, glad it all worked out, but I uh, figured you'd appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely get that. I understand what it's like trying to put decals on things that not supposed to be there. Yeah, trying to lay out a stencil. So, you know, so that gave you kind of an insight as to, you know, the detail that's involved, even in doing a stenciling or a reverse, I call it a reverse mask, because essentially I'm just masking off what I don't want paint on, of course, and then doing the graphic within that and then removing the mask and sometimes pinstriping the edges or, you know, removing the mask and then doing really neat drop shadows. And that makes it look like it's popping off the paint. Uh, there's, you know, lots of different techniques to do that, of course. So uh, one of the things looking at uh, your work, it, it really appears like there's a lot of layers um, mm -hmm. on an average, you know, and maybe nothing is average, but how many right. layers do you put into one of your pieces. And I can run you through the process real quick. So essentially, let's just say I'm taking a bare metal panel. So with, if it's bare steel, it gets it gets sanded and cleaned, obviously. And then it gets one coat of epoxy sealer. And then it's going to get body work. You know, I do all my body work on top of an epoxy sealer. And then I put polyester primer on top of that. Now, the polyester primer is a thick build. I mean, it's probably four or five mils per coat, which is pretty thick. That's about average to an, a factory paint job on a car all the way their materials are normally five to six mils. So just in primer, sometimes I'll put four to five mils. Uh, then that gets blocked down. And then I'll do colors. And base coats are really, it's a thin product. So base coat's not giving you, giving you a lot of film build. It's just, you know, for color, it's pigment. So I'll put the pigments on there, where the, whether it's lots of graphics or not. There may be 15 coats of, of different colors and candies, but that's still not even a really thick build. Those are still, you know, pretty thin materials. Uh, and then... Normally, depending on what I'm doing, I'll do two coats of clear. Um, and then after I do the clear coat, if if it's a graphic that has, you know, bumps and lines and textures in it, uh, sometimes I'll do two coats of clear and then I'll sand that down smooth and then reapply two more coats of clear. So it's not, you know, 30 or 40 coats of clear. You know, it's not 15 coats of hand rub lacquer like they used to do in the day when I first started. It's It's not that. Product has really come a long way. And you get protection within two coats of clear coat. Um, you get all the protection you need. That's what most of the manufacturers recommend is two coats. Um, and honestly, I mean, some of the paint jobs I do, I'll put one coat of clear on. And if it was just visual, you would say that's enough because the first coat looks as good as the second coat. Sometimes the second coat's just for protection. Okay. So, so you'd be amazed. It's, you know, when I'm done with my base, it just looks like a really neat matte finish. Right. And then you put that first clear on and you're like, wow, it's ready to go, but it needs more protection. So you put the second coat on there and then, you know, that's, that gives you plenty of film build. And that's what they recommend, you know, almost all paint manufacturers. Sometimes you'll put three or four and then sand it back down and put a couple more. And, and I asked that, uh, and one, just to get a, a real full appreciation for, uh, for the art of the process, but also mm -hmm. to kind of put some perspective into the pricing. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and the materials are not what they were. I have some old timers call. I had a bike done. They'll say, I had a bike done a couple of years ago. Well, it's been 20 years. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, okay, it's going to be a little different than what you're thinking. And, uh, you know, they're like, oh, I had a bike painted for $400. I'm like, I'll have $400 in just clear coats. You know, if I'm doing like a, a full bagger or something, yep. I'm like, you're going to have a lot of material on this bike, you know? So sometimes you have to educate, you know, which I understand not everybody's in the industry. You know, sometimes I'll turn around and be like, what? It cost what? Like, I can't believe it went up. Um, so, you know, that's, that's part of the factoring in also. Now, now I'm curious because, because you mentioned all the protection that goes into it. Mm -hmm. What if somebody wants aesthetically a matte finish? Sure. Is there a way of protecting that? Well, the, the cool thing about matte finish is it technically is the same clear coat, but it has a matting agent. So it just kind of dulls it down. Oh. That's that's why on matte clears, if you grab a, a bottle of polish and you start rubbing on it for a minute, it will gloss out. You know, once that gloss comes back. I didn't realize. Yeah. I, I, I thought the matte was the top layer. So you're still it, putting. It is. It is the top layer, but it's, it's the same clear coat. But it's not the top layer of paint. It's actually a, a, a top layer of. Oh, okay. I see what you're sealant. saying. Yeah, correct. It is the last thing that you put on is the clear coat, whether it's a matte clear or high gloss clear. So it's the same, 
You know, it's just for me, though, the, the cool thing about gloss is obviously if somebody gets a couple of key scratches or their belt or buckles, you can scuff it and buff it. Uh, you know, you can buff out most scratches in a gloss clear. In the mats, once you start getting nicks and scratches and there's nothing you can do, um, you can't really touch up matte clear and it look very well. Um, so you're you're kind of stuck with little scratches. You know, they do make some little spray detailers and things that, you know, supposedly clean it and, and don't gloss it out. But uh, as far as repairing anything, it's a refinish. If you get scratches in a mat, you just kind of have to refinish it. There's no buffing possibility. Okay. So uh, anybody that has a matte bike, take extra yep, yep. special care of it. Be careful. But it, it is a cool product and it's definitely the hot thing right now. You know, I've done a lot of paint jobs where we incorporate both. We'll do a matte. I just did one for Jesse, actually, that Ducati, and uh, and it was black matte on the bottom, and it was the, um, it was that battleship gray on top, and um, oh, it's not called battleship. I forget what it's called, but anyway, uh, it's it's that same look, and um, it's a a destroyer gray. That's what it's called. Sorry, mm. and um, it's a beautiful. So all the all the gray is done in gloss, and it has this crazy mirror finish, but then everything else has a really nice matte on it. Um, you know, I love that look too. You know, it's, it's really good looking, but you, you just have to be aware of the product. And, you know, that's another thing I have to discuss with clients because I have a lot of mat calls and I tell them, well, if you're rough on your bike, you know, then that may not be the, the route for you. Yeah. Or if you mind the scratches. Correct. Yeah. yeah. You know, and they, they do show up pretty good in mat. It just kind of depends on, you know, the customer and what they're going to do. The application. Well, well, in that combo look, uh, the, there's something cool. Uh, I, I personally gravitate to it a little bit as mm -hmm. a, almost doing like a black on black, but sure. putting in um, like logo type detail just right. in the in the gloss right. or, or in the matte, you know, vice versa, where sure. it's, it, it all appears to be one color scheme, but then you can see some things right. just uh, just in the finish itself. Yep, done some of that also. And it's a, definitely a good looking you know, product. And, and there's factory jobs that have done that recently. There's a few different paint jobs in Harley and some other you know, manufacturers that have incorporated the matte and the gloss together. Mm -hmm. It does look good. So we're getting into it a little bit, but what are just some all around tips for uh, protecting your paint job once, uh, if you've made the investment to get sure. something really custom, but you still actually want to ride your bike. Yeah. Understood. If it's not just a show bike, uh, what are some things you can do to take care of it? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I always recommend washing with just a regular palm olive or something. Don't let soap dry on your paint, obviously. Keep it wet. Keep it rinsed. Rinse it off before you put a towel on it. Um, you know, and then in between, just use a decent spray detailer with a nice clean microfiber. Um, you know, there's people that do full. Uh, uh, oh, my mind just went blank. But anyway, there's oh, uh, there's all kinds of different products that they put on the finishes. Um, you know, you don't wax any kind of fresh paint for thirty or forty days. Uh, it's still breathing. Um, but if you have like a factory paint job, you know, just keep a decent wax on it and, and, and clean it properly. Um, you know, but right now everybody's doing these, uh, different coatings and I just blanked out on what the coating was, but anyway, <laughs> sorry about that. No, um, but there's, you know, there's different things you can do. I'm, I'm just a fan of, of keeping your paint clean and don't wipe it dry. Never wipe it dry. That's when you get those crazy towel marks. And then, you know, if, if it does get a lot of scratches in it, just take it to a professional and have it polished out. Um, and that's that's the best way you can take care of your paint. So can you specify what you mean by don't wipe it dry? Yeah, don't, you know, if you're at a show or a gas station, right, and people will grab those paper towels off the windshield washing fluid thing, uh, okay. and they'll just wipe the dust. Oh, I got some dust on my black bike, and just wipe it dry with a towel. With that. Yeah, you definitely don't want to do that. So um, do you want to use like a, do you want to actually wet it and wash it, or just yes. use like a microfiber? Uh, even with a microfiber, I recommend, you know, the bikes that I've done recently, the guys carry around bottles of, you know, a, a spray detail. And and it does it does help if you wet your, your surface before you wipe it. Um, not pouring it all the way on, but just get it damp and then wipe it off. It helps keep that dust. Cause otherwise if you're wiping it, uh, it does build up static and sometimes you'll notice you'll wipe it and then immediately it's dusty again, you know, or even the microfiber itself will leave dust on it. Mm -hmm. So you're better off to, to use some kind of damp product, even if it is just a little bit of water, you know, it, it helps that, that dirt, you know, water kills static. So that's another reason you know, it, it helps to keep the dust off your paint. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to just keep asking you kind of, I'm going to call new guy questions. Sure. Tech questions. Um, what about sun? 
You know, and, and I, I bring that up um, specifically, and maybe just the paint technology has gotten better, but you see a lot of old vehicles that are sun damaged. Is Correct. that still um, a concern? Or, or has the actual paint technology gotten to a point where, you know, it, anything can, can be out in the sun and, and not get faded? Right. Um, fades and delaminations and things like that. So if you look at like some old cars from the 80s and, and whatever, there's a lot of delamination. The clear is peeling off the tops, especially a top surface from the sun baking. Some of that is material. Some of that is lack of material, maybe not enough for the UV protection. And then some of it is uh, the prep in between. So they were shot at the dealership. Really, when you see those things, those are mainly factory issues. Okay. So like uh, with cars, sometimes they'll base them, put the color on in one day, and then they don't put a clear coat until the next day. For me, you know, I try to get clear on it within that window of maybe an hour to two. Just so it's not exposed for... Uh, no, it's not necessarily that. It's so that your your new clear coat will actually bite into the color. It's a chemical, you know, it's a chemical okay, thing. Okay, so it has to bond. Correct. Uh, and there right. is a window. So once you shoot, each layer has what they call a tack time. You know, not to get too boring, but... No, um, I, I mean, I, I love this. Okay. And I, I think we have some, uh, the, some listeners that are perfectly happy okay, to get great. very technical. So if I start a job, I finish it that day. Um, there are some, or should I say, if I start a job, I get clear coat on it by the end of the day. It doesn't mean I'm not going to sand it and do more graphics later, but there's windows for each product. So you have a sealer, maybe it's 15 minutes. So you want to get color on it after 15, but within a couple hours, you'll put your color, each coat of colors, maybe 10 or 15 flash in between. And then after you finish your color, I like to give it, you know, 20 to 30 minutes for the solvents to come out. And then once your solvents escape enough, then you're applying more coats, you know, so I'll go in there and put a clear coat. That clear coat also has solvent. And the way that it works is the solvent from the clear coat goes straight down through your other medium and it hits, goes all the way to the bottom substrate and then comes back out. It's called breathing. So if you imagine this, if you were to shoot back to back to back to back to back to back colors, just a bunch of colors, then a bunch of clear, it's going to look killer for like an hour. And then all your solvents are going to start popping back through the top. So it's really important that you give plenty of, of dry time in between so that your solvents can escape. And then you're, you're, you know, a lot of paint jobs. So that's where delamination would come in. Let's say I just nailed a bunch of coats. Mm -hmm. That later on would probably delaminate. Or if I did all my color on Wednesday and then let it sit overnight, come back Thursday and just pound clear coat on it, that clear is not really going to penetrate the color the way that it needs to. And it's not going to have the adhesion that it should. Uh, you can scuff it, that changes it. But if you're just putting material on material and there's a lot of chemical stuff that needs to be known, you know, you need to understand your product and dry times, flash times, all that kind of stuff. That's when you hear people talk about solvent pops and fish eyes and things like that. Uh, there's a lot more to it, a lot more chemistry than you would think. Yeah, that that's the word that was really resonating in my head right now because mm -hmm. I, you know, myself and I, I'm guessing most people would really look at you only on as an artist, but, right. but you're an equal part scientist as you are an artist. Correct. Yeah. I mean, that's why I make so much money. Just kidding. No, but, um, you're right, especially, and that's why I'm thankful I came from the body industry. Um, because it, it did, it allowed me to, to have 27 years of training in materials. And when you work at body shops, they send you to the paint manufacturing schools. So, I mean, I've done, you know, I'm PPG certified and I've been to Ditzler classes. I've been to DuPont classes. So I've had lots of training, um, which as you know, you can be trained in something and still not be good. Um, but it, it helped me, you know, to understand the products. Um, that's another thing about the internet and TV shows is a lot of people are, they'll see it on TV and they'll say, oh, well, I know how to airbrush. Now I'm a motorcycle painter, but there's a lot before you get to the airbrush art. If you don't understand from the ground up, you know, I don't know. I, I'm just thankful that, you know, I, I got to start, you know, from the ground up. I learned the process, been to the schooling, kind of understand. I like to stay on top of new products. You know, I want to make sure that I'm giving the customers kind of the newest technology. I don't want to give them stuff from the 80s and not know, you know, how it's going to turn out. So I try to stay on top of, you know, what's best and, and you know, what's going to last the longest. Um, but with anything, you really don't know. I mean, unfortunately, you know, I'm using what I think is best and, um, you know, only time will tell. But I do have bikes I've done and cars that I did years ago that still look really good, you know. So um, not to take away any of your 
your business, but uh, you know, a lot of uh, particular, uh, I think motorcycles in general, but uh, Triumph owners for sure uh, are a, have a bit of that DIY spirit and, and like sure. to try their hand at, at things at home. Um, we're for sure not going to do a tutorial, but if if you said one pitfall for anybody that tried to do, you know, something at home to avoid, uh, what would that pitfall to avoid be? Hmm. Don't even try it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, honestly, because it's, there are, you have to have the right equipment, the right spraying facility. You have to have clean air. You cannot just plug in a compressor and start spraying because you will get moisture. I mean, there's water traps and they have to be set a certain distance from the, from the compressor so that it stops the water, you know, as the air warms up and cools off and all that. So there's so much more to it than just grabbing a gun and spraying. One of the coolest things my old boss man told me was, uh, anybody can spray, but not everybody can paint. He said, do you want to be a painter or you want to be a sprayer? You know, so it was cool, you know, which kind of brings up the, not to get off topic too much, but there's, there, there's a science to it and it's a trade. You know, and when I started, it was a trade. I went to a body shop that was down the street from me and I said, what can I do? I want to, I want to paint. I want to work on cars. You know, it was before I was really into motorcycles and stuff, but I said, I want to paint. What can I do? And they said, well, we don't need anything, but you can sweep floors. And I said, okay, I'll sweep floors, whatever. Started sweeping, did that a couple of weeks and just kept showing interest in like, hey, I want to do the next step. Finally, they showed me, okay, we'll teach you how to primer. Next thing you know, you know, that's a trade. I mean, I, I wanted to do it. They wanted to invest everything they had learned the past 20 years into me. Um, and that's kind of where the industry's lacking now is you don't really have tradesmen anymore. You have people that just come in and want a paycheck. They just want to do a little job. You know, I, I really wanted a career. You know, I was like, this is what I want to do. I love being in the booth. Um, so they taught me everything they knew. It was really neat. Um, it's not that way too much. I've had several helpers in the body shop over the past, you know, 27 years. And um, several of the helpers have turned out to go to different parts of the country and they're really successful painters. And that's very exciting um, because they you know, they took from me, they took from tons of other people and learned and put it together and, and made a career out of it. It's really exciting to be part of that. Um, but it's hard to find that now. There's not many kids that want to come in and say, hey, I want to learn this trade. They come in and say, well, can I get rich? What can I do? And, you know, can you do it on a computer? I'm like, no, you know, it's, no. it's all hands on and it's a trade. The, I feel that's like across the, the board. Yeah. I, I feel like any trade right now, right. it's in high demand. Um, and those, uh, anybody that does have all of those skills and talents combined, Mm -hmm. I mean, they're, it's getting more and more valuable these days, but, uh, but it's not a quick fix. You're right. It's a, it's dedication and years and years of doing it. Absolutely. I'm thankful that I was allowed to go that route. You know, God sent me that direction and, and always has provided people that can, can teach me and bring me up to the next level. I'm always looking for people that I can kind of do the same for. You know, like, hey, man, if I can give you some helpful hints or something that's going to help you in your career to to be more successful, man, I'm all about it. But it's it's kind of hard to find that now. And I'm actually getting to the point where it's it's kind of turning to where I don't have enough of the computer skills. So, like, you watch some of these shows, OC Choppers and all that kind of stuff, and they have a guy that just does computer renderings. That's his job is to design paint jobs, and then they hand that rendering to a dude that's going to actually do hands-on. It's like, I don't think I'll ever be to that point. You know, I'm kind of past doing the computer stuff. So that is one thing when first time customers will call and they'll say, oh, can you give me a rendering? I'm like, well, it's going to look like a 12 year old drew it. <laughs> I, I mean, I think we had that conversation a little bit You're as right. well. And that's, You're right. um, and you had and to trust me, thankfully. Well, that's where, yeah, trust is the word. It's definitely the key word because that rendering is sort of like your, it's your reassurance. And, and we're getting know. to a, a point where I, I think, you know, it, a lot of people are able to do renderings. I mean, Correct. we just did, um, you know, we had a bunch of, um, I'm going to go a, a little bit off topic here, mm-hmm. but we had um, display agencies come in because we're going to, um, we're, we're looking to overhaul some of our uh, physical displays from when we can go back out on the road and do events again. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was incredible what each one of those agencies was able to come back with. Right. I mean, full renderings that looked like, completely finished 
Crazy. custom, like mm-hmm. large scale displays right. in a displayed type or event environment. Right. But I would and, have to start a whole nother career yeah, to I mean, be that, able to provide that, that for that, somebody. That's a completely separate, dedicated <laughs> skill set. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, but without that, um, it, it just comes down to trust. And I mean, fortunately, you have a, a nice portfolio that I think you Correct. can really lean in on. And, and if you see the portfolio, it, you can't help but but trust that at a minimum, you know what you're doing. Right. It's going to turn out great. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, I appreciate that. And thankfully, a lot of customers tell me that. You know, like I said, that guy called from D.C. yesterday. And and I said, well, did you have a chance to check out the website? He said, well, no, but, you know, so-and-so at this shop told me to call you, and that's good enough for me. I'm like, oh, wow. That's I think it's definitely humbling, you know, that people would trust me, like I said before, to, to you know, take their $50,000 motorcycle and completely tear it down and and change it up and try to give them their dream um, without seeing it. You know, like I said, I'll do a 12 year old sketch for them because that's just, that's as far as I can go with it. You know, and, and I always tell them also it's when it's finished, it's not going to look like the sketch, thankfully, but it's going to be better obviously, because as I'm rolling with it, you know, I'm, I'm going to start changing things up. You know, no, that line doesn't feel right. I'm going to raise it up. I'm going to move this over, maybe use a different texture. You know, I'm working on a bike now that the guy wants white. I've already done all the white. And then I went ahead and put clear coat on it because I knew it was going to sit a couple days. So now I'll sand the clear coat down and I'll start kind of fresh on that with my graphics. I'm going to do, he wants skulls and all that kind of stuff. So I'll do skulls and some smoke and it'll have a, a faded marbling on the bottom. Don't know if any of this really sounds like it's translating, but uh, in my mind, it's going to look pretty wicked. Um, but, he, you know, he's trusting me. He said, man, you do what's going to look bad. He said, I just want a wicked looking paint job. And these, these are the elements I want. I want white and I want skulls. And that was it. You know, some that purple, crazy purple bike. He said, listen, I want purple and I want just crazy graphics. I want all kinds of textures in there. And I want to be able to pull up next to somebody at a show and I want them to be nervous. You know, that was what he said. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll do my best. Done. Yeah, I'll do my best. And, and it, it turned out to be a pretty, pretty wicked bike. And, and that's kind of the bike that's, I don't know, it's kind of getting me more attention right now. So that's pretty neat. I'd like to do a few more high end, you know, and it's got so much surface on it. You know, it's not like a triumph where I have to focus real heavily on just one tank. You know, this thing has fairings and bags and tour packs and lowers. I mean, it's, it's covered in panels. So it makes it a little bit easier to, to spread out the art. Sure. Well, well, there you go. If anybody has a bike out there that they want to be a show bike, uh, we have somebody in the, in the booth here that, that wants to do some more show bikes and, um, you know, just bringing us home a little bit. I I just wanted to say, you know, you, you mentioned how long it took you to, to get to the level of skill and expertise you you've had at this point. But, uh, I, I'm personally very fortunate that, you've made that commitment because it's, it's so great to have mm, you in our backyard. That. And, uh, I, I can't wait to, to give you a call and work on the next project. Absolutely. I appreciate that. I don't, I am a one man shop. Um, but thankfully I have this incredible wife that will come out and I hate it for, her. you know, I'm sure it's not a, a lady's dream to come out and hold parts for me sometimes if I'm buffing or if I'm doing something dirty in the shop or definitely when I have to move stuff, you know, if my two teenage boys aren't home, you know, I have to, Hey, babe, will you come out to the shop and help me move some stuff? So, you know, it, it is a one-man shop, but it, it does, you know, I do need help. You know, if it wasn't for my wife helping me, she she does my paperwork. You know, all the kind of business stuff that I'm just not good at. You know, 27 years in a body shop, I literally just showed up, I painted cars, and I got a paycheck on Friday. Well, then when I decided five years, you know, I need to make this work. You know, this has been my dream. I was doing bikes on the side for years. 10, 15 years, I was doing stuff nights and weekends, but it would take me, you know, a month or two to get one job done. And, uh, finally just said, okay, this is, this is what we need to do. So we went full time with it and my shop's really close to the house and it's just, it's a real blessing. But my wife, you know, now she can come out and help. And, um, you know, my two boys, they'll come out and help. They're both incredible artists also. Um, they're not interested in doing this medium necessarily, but they both do, uh, pencil art and, and, you know, my, my other son is doing, uh, you know, digital graphic art now, and he has people commissioning him to do album covers and stuff. He's 17. Um, he's way better of an artist than I ever will be, but, uh, both of them are, but, you know, in the direction that they're going they're you know, they do some pretty incredible stuff. Um, gray dot dar 
is my youngest. Ah, but anyway, yeah. he's got a killer Instagram. But he he's doing some pretty wicked stuff. And and my other son, he's he's more of the the hard labor guy. So he'll come out and help me do prepping, and he'll help me do some blocking of primer. And uh, I actually sometimes I'll pay him to tear the bikes apart and put them back together afterwards. So it's a good way to keep the family involved, give him something to do, and also uh, you know give the customer a way to just drop the bike off and pick it up. Because a lot of times uh, people will just bring me their tins. I'm kind of limited on space and I'm a one-man shop. So you can imagine if I'm spending all day tearing down a bike, that's a paint job that just got pushed. Yeah, that's a day not painting. Correct. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So I'm trying to stay in the booth as much as I can. And that does require getting help from from the family. You know, and I've tried the helper situation a few times, but uh, on my own, it's it's kind of hard to keep a helper busy. You know, I don't really trust a lot of people, unfortunately. Well, if you can, <laughs> if you can keep it in the family and, and really get them, uh, give them a skill set, that's amazing. Sure. Absolutely. And, and they've both drawn from it. And, uh, you know, we're the, we're the art family, you know, art and music. We're not the, you know, the, the book kind of people necessarily. We're more, you know, uh, more arts and music and, you know, it, it just kind of our whole house. That's what we're all about is, is art and music. So it's really exciting. I'm super thankful to be where I am. Uh, I love it and uh, can't wait to see what's what's to come. Uh, yes, sir. Checking out those next customs on, um, where, well, where can everybody find you? Uh, jdarcustoms.com and dar is spelled with two A's. Um, and then on from that website, you can check out my Instagram or Facebook or you can just Google Jadar Customs um, or you can just type in Atlanta Custom Paints, you know, and it'll it'll bring me up, thankfully, um, you know. So I'm just trying to push the whole, the whole media thing also, you know, and it, it has... Uh, originally I was just word of mouth for years. And then a buddy of mine, Steven, uh, from law tiger, actually, he did my, my website and stuff and meta tagged and all the stuff I don't understand. And so now I actually get lots of calls from all over the place, people looking for paint work, you know, but, but right now I'm, most of my work comes from just all the shops around town. I'm really thankful that, you know, almost all the dealerships I've ever visited send me work. So I'm real thankful for them. Great. Well, uh, appreciate you coming in today and uh, we'll chat soon. Thanks, Dar. Yes, sir. Thank you for the time. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that really technical download of custom painting. I, I know I sure learned a lot. If you want to check out his work, just go to jdarcustoms.com. And as I mentioned in the intro, we'll take a couple weeks off before wrapping up the season in December. Till then, ride safe.